It was late 2018, and I was working with a doggy daycare in Little Rock, providing training. I would get all sorts of calls, and one lesson I had was with a woman who had tried to find a trainer previously, but had found the experience to be a bit off-putting. They'd come into her home, telling her that everything she was doing was wrong. And this sort of story wasn't the last one I'd hear about trainer experiences in Little Rock. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast, which features interviews with dog experts, owners, and veterinarians, and other pet professionals, and focuses on education over fear. I'm your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, a dog trainer located in central Arkansas. I have some quick announcements before we start talking about dog trainers. First, I was not happy with my third installment of Embarrassed, and it had nothing to do with my lovely guest and everything to do with me. I talked way too much, and I didn't let her lead the story as much as I should have. So we are planning to re-record the episode this week, and that will come out next Tuesday, ending the series on embarrassment. Second, I'm working on client gifts. I'm pretty excited about this new project, which includes a lot of really cool things, which are just for my clients who've worked with me over the past year. And my deadline for this to hit homes is in December, right in time for the holidays. But who knows what those holidays will look like this year? And third, classes are going very well, and I'm adding in some small playgroups for clients who have requested connections with other doggy friends. Please email me if you'd like to get on the waitlist for January's classes, and after this round ends, I'll be taking a short hiatus from classes until after the holidays. Now, back to dog trainers. I've been thinking about this for a while. The comments pop up every now and then. There was a bad experience with a trainer, but they needed to try again because they needed help. They gave me a chance. I'm always thankful for those opportunities since I'm very aware of how I've messed up as a trainer. I've misjudged times and locations and been late to lessons, or it's been too long since I've been able to get my notes out, or I don't call someone back in a timely fashion. I do work hard on minimizing those sorts of mistakes, but they happen. And sometimes as a result, a client decides I'm not a good fit for what they need, or I can do everything right, and a client still may uh, decide that I'm not a good fit. Dog trainers are just people, and we come in all sorts of personalities, armed with all sorts of methods. I view dog training as a wide spectrum of possibilities. If training is just communication, then it makes sense that there are all sorts of ways to communicate. There are a few things to consider when looking for a trainer. These things include, first, methods. Have you heard of positive reinforcement trainers, balance trainers, clicker trainers? I usually explain while there are a lot of methods, there are three main categories. They're the, the people who move a dog or use a force to move a dog to get a desired behavior or to stop an undesirable behavior. Then there are people who lure or use food to move a dog without touching him to get a desired behavior or to teach an incompatible behavior to an undesirable behavior. And third, there are people who wait for the dog to offer a desired behavior. This is also called capturing and it's often used in clicker training. So there's no direct force from or direction by a trainer until the dog offers the behavior. Some people use a mixture of all three, or some just use one type. While there are often disagreements on what tools or methods are best for a dog, each dog may require different aspects, depending on various factors. But there are two main scientifically proven aspects that ex explain how dogs learn. The first is the PREMAC principle. This states that the more probable behaviors will reinforce less probable behaviors. So if a dog gets a treat, he'll go into his crate, or if he gets playtime, he'll sit at the back door to go into the yard. The second is Thorndike's law of effect which states that any behavior that is followed by a pleasant consequence 
is likely to be repeated, and any behavior followed by unpleasant consequence is likely to be stopped. So if a dog sits and he gets a treat, he's more likely to sit. But if a dog jumps up on a person and that person leaves the room, the dog is less likely to jump. If you'd like to delve into this more on your own, I recommend Accelerated Learning, a book by Pamela J. Reed, PhD. Does your trainer use learning theory like this, or are you even interested in something like this? Does your trainer get advanced in ongoing education to better help their clients? Those are the sorts of questions to consider, depending on what you need. Do you want to learn why your dog might be offering a behavior and how to manage the behavior as a, as a result? There's a lot that you, as a dog owner, can decide, and a dog trainer can help you figure out what might work best for you and your dog. Ask the questions about what they do and what they don't, and see if they can explain. Personally, I hold off on judgment of tools, and I use the least intrusive, minimally aversive policy held by the Certification Council of Professional Dog Trainers. You can read more about it on their website, and I'll link it in the description box below. I found that training is just communication. And if we can communicate effectively with a snack, then reinforce the behavior we'd like to see with a fun experience, why not start there? Often our dogs would like to do what we ask, if they can only understand what we're asking them to do. I've got fun analogies for this that I like to use in lessons. For example, if you were dropped on an alien planet filled with giants and you were placed in a home and you tried to climb on the couch, but they hit and yell at you instead of asking you to get off by showing you, then you might just be confused and scared. You don't know what's going on. But if they offer you a snack and show you where you can sit, then you will feel more comfortable. And if every time you sit in a certain spot, then you get a treat, then whenever you'd like a snack or a meal, you'd be more likely to sit there instead of trying to climb on the couch. Dogs vary, of course, and their communication is different from ours, but why not start with that communication in a snack? This method is often called positive reinforcement. Let's reinforce what we'd like to see from our dog using a reward that our dog finds reinforcing. It's the simplest way to start. Let's assume our dog doesn't understand. Let's find out what our dog would like to work for. Then we can move forward. Second, personality. I view the trainer-client interaction as a relationship. Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel heard? Do you like their personality? I'll often compare it to finding a massage therapist or hairstylist or barber. Sure, you can pay someone to just get the job done, but is the job done correctly? Or do you need to find one, someone to fix your color? Were the bangs done crooked? And did they refuse to even say hello or treat you with basic human decency? Maybe they make jokes you don't appreciate or maybe they're not good with kids. Do you need a trainer who can help your 11-year-old handle the family dog? Or do you need help transitioning your new human baby into the home with an existing dog? Trainers should come in asking questions. There's history to understand, relationship between the people to understand, and a whole host of things going on that a lot of trainers with experience can see with an outside eye. There shouldn't be intentional comments that pile on guilt or shame regarding your previous choices with your dog. You picked a trainer because you need some help, and if they can't help, they should at least be able to point you in a direction where you can get started. Maybe a trainer couldn't do what you wanted, and that's okay too. I'll refer a dog out if I need to or if I'm not sure I have the answers. There's a lot of complexity to dogs, and sometimes previous experience can make all the difference. I have two trainers with 20 years of experience each that I'll refer to. Both are certified and have had handled some very challenging dogs. When it comes to personality or being nice, though, there are some things to consider. I don't view nice as being a pushover or someone who doesn't help you with your goals. I view nice as, one, actively listening. This means asking questions and hearing you without jumping to respond. Two, acknowledging the good things you've done with your dog and the hard work that you've put in so far. Three, finding a method that works for you and your dog. Four, explaining what they're doing and why they're doing it and showing you how to do it. Five, exercising appropriate boundaries. Third thing to examine when looking for a dog trainer is certification. 
Dog training is unregulated, and unlike a lot of other fields, there's no requirement for training or certification. But a lot of trainers do get a certification and have ongoing training. I recently took my exam through the Certification Council of Professional Dog Trainers, which requires at least 300 hours of hands-on experience in the past three years. I have nearly 1,500 hours. The exam had 250 questions covering a variety of information from handling to medical to developmental to history. It was a lot. It's always a good idea to ask about experience and certification and to research any certifications a trainer claims to have. Does the certification line up with what you're looking for? Was it something they could buy without a test or other process? Or did they have to do something to earn it? I'll never forget when I had tried to hire a certified public accountant and I asked a friend for a recommendation. I found her referral rude and brash and I severed ties with him immediately. I mentioned that to my friend and she told me that everything that I didn't like was exactly what she did like and she wanted in a CPA. So do your research, then interview some trainers to find a good fit. What might not be a good fit for someone else might be the perfect fit for you and your dog. But if you would like a kind trainer who's nice to you and your dog, you can find one. You deserve a nice trainer. What questions did you ask when you were looking for a dog trainer? Was the cost the most important part to you? Maybe it was method. Share in the comment section or shoot me an email at info at telltaledogtraining.com. That's T-E-L-L-T-A-I-L dogtraining.com. Everything I mention is listed in the description box or posted to my website, including the treats handout I recently shared with my classes. This has been Telltale Dog Training Podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein. Special thanks to Jim Chiago of 7 Second Chance for the music. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify. And thank you for being here.